Hey everybody, welcome back to the Long Lost Heroes podcast. Uh, this has been a little bit of a break for us, so we're kind of dubbing this new section here as season two. So I'm your host this week, Frank Marsilio, and I'm here with some special guests and some regular faces. Um, who do we got here? I think uh, AJ, how you doing, bud? Hello, everybody. How you doing? So glad to be back for season two of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. It has been an absolute joy. It was nice to be off, but I really am excited to be back. Can't wait. And we've got another familiar face, if you guys have been longtime listeners, but we've got another former member of the Long Lost Heroes band, Matt Zimbasile. How you doing, bud? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back on. I'm excited to be here for the opener of season two. Yeah, yeah. It's, been, it's been really fun. Uh, we hit 21 episodes back in August, just covered Game of Thrones, and we thought we'd kick it off uh, this fall season with a little bit of star wars talk but first um what's everyone been up to aj you had a little bit of travel recently right yes i did uh so i was in i was in germany i'm going to be going back to germany germany is fun um the beer is really good um okay so went to went to germany went to the hofbrau house official beer house of uh of Munich and the royal family of Bavaria and, uh, you know, had amazing pretzels and delicious beer right before Oktoberfest. Um, and, uh, you know, also had all those delicious foods, got to do some work and do some technical training for work. But, uh, yeah, uh, it was, it was a wild time. Uh, but yeah, heading on down to Disney world next week for a conference. And then two weeks after that, back to good old Munich, Germany. Awesome, man. Yeah, that sounds so, uh, yeah, it, it's it's work though, dude. You were on vacation. You actually, well, both of you guys went on crazy trips. So Frank, you went up to Boston, and ZB went to uh, the UK, as it were. Um, yeah. So both, you know, you know, it's interesting that you both went there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's cool. So not like warm tropical places in the summer. You know, kind of, no. you know, kind of the opposite of that, but that's cool. Um, all right. So, ZB, so, yeah, ZB, tell us about the UK, like, real quick, and yeah. I'll, I'll touch on Boston. But It was the most spontaneous trip I ever went on. I um, realized I had four days off for Labor Day, and I had some extra vacation days, and I was like, well, what am I going to do? Let me, let me see what I could do. And I had a friend who had been living in London for the last month, and they were like, you should come to London. And then I just looked up a flight and it was affordable. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to go to London without really thinking about it whatsoever. I booked a flight and two days later I was on said flight to London um, and went to London for a couple days and then kind of got burnt out of just being in the city by myself. I mean, I was with my friend, but you know, I wasn't with them all the time and it was more of a solo trip. And I was just like, this isn't really what I want right now. I'd like to be somewhere in nature. I'd like to be kind of removed from the noise. So I spontaneously, fitting within theme of the trip, I went and uh, booked a flight to Scotland uh, and went to Scotland, Glasgow, um, and found this little eco-yoga retreat that was like three hours outside of Glasgow and uh, spent the rest of the weekend there 
meditating, doing yoga, and taking hot spring baths next to waterfalls, and it was amazing. Well, at, well, at least sounds it sounds nice. relaxing. That's awesome. It, that's cool. Did you get to drink any scotch yeah. when you were in Scotland? So funny you say that. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a, quite the avid scotch drinker, but I didn't have my first scotch until I got to the airport on the way back because wow. I was really that really wasn't like the purpose of this trip. Um, sure. I'd love to go back and like tour some distilleries, but this was like more of a spiritual and meditative type of trip. Um, but I had a bunch of free scotches at the lounge and bought some great duty-free scotch that I sampled when I came home. Um, so I was only there for less than 72 hours, so it definitely warrants a trip back where I could tour the distilleries and get all of Scotch's, Scotland's offerings. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And kind of similar for me, like, uh, had a situation where I ended up having more time off that I had to use before the end of our year. Um, and so we said, well, let's, let's go somewhere where we don't have to like buy plane tickets or something like that, somewhere that we've been wanting to go. And so we decided to go to Boston, um, you know, right towards the end of baseball season. And, uh, we got to go to Fenway Park, which was awesome. Um, you know, just so much iconic history there that even even as a Yankees fan, like I could totally appreciate it. You know, going to see the Red Sox and uh, we we they didn't play the Yankees when we were there, but that's okay. Um, so just more reason to go back. And you know, we just did other history kind of stuff. Took some tours and we went to the Sam Adams Brewery. So. It was a really fun trip. Uh, it was Did you quick. get any chowder? Uh, yes, we got some chowder. I got some some lobster. I had a. We went to the North End, uh, which is basically like their Little Italy, and mm-hmm. had like a, an amazing huge bowl of chopino, which is basically all the seafood in a bowl, yep. Fra Diablo, and I just it was amazing. Um, so, yeah, nice. I definitely recommend it. I mean, we we drove from D.C., which was like. I don't know, it ended up being like eight hours because we went the long way to avoid New York. But, um, yeah, it was it was totally worth it, and I would definitely That's go wild. back. So That's awesome. So needless to say, we had a good break. Um, but, you know, there, there, are, there are things to talk about and movies yeah. to see and other yeah. exciting things. So what do you got, other, AJ? Oh, my God. So while we were off, and, like, well, I guess if you're a listener of the podcast, like, you would know that we all love Star Wars, but we don't necessarily get to talk about it as much as maybe we would like to, really because, you know, there's kind of little bits and pieces of news anymore, and it kind of comes out slowly, so we try to, like, let it accumulate so that we can kind of all dive into it. And this summer was absolutely no exception because pretty much everything, you know, we're at the same place we were (laughs) a few months ago, only with a few new things that we haven't gotten to talk about. So... You know, I think we're going to just kind of go down the line over here and, uh, you know, kind of talk about the most important things first. And I think that is that uh, Star Wars News Today breaking the New York Times that uh, this guy, uh, a writer from Lebanon, was writing for, you know, an Arabic style textbook that's used in Saudi Arabia and put a picture of Yoda next to King Faisal of the Saudi family. Uh, writer claims that he did this because Yoda is green, like the Saudi flag. 
and that it didn't, you know, the book really didn't have much positive imagery and thus needed some, so let's just throw in Yoda. Uh, thoughts? <laughs> I, I turn this to you. Like, I, it's just like, I saw this in the news, and I was like, really? It, like, <laughs> it just seems like, I think what it was was the photo had been been created long before the textbook was done. So whoever put the textbook together didn't necessarily mean to do it. But the guy that made right. the photo was like, yeah, I, I put it there. They all really said, and Yoda made it better. <laughs> like, of course. So I think Yoda makes the everything pic- better. Yeah, the saying, you know, pictures are worth a thousand words. I think this really resonates here <laughs> in this photo. I don't really know what else to say other than it looks like a bunch of very important Saudi people <laughs> next to a made-up Jedi Knight. Master. Sorry. So, so if this is the news we have, so we're either going up or down. <laughs> I well, think also also the fact that it's on the new in the New York Times. You know, this isn't like the Daily News or some like totally bullshit. Publication. Yeah. 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 Yeah, this is fucking the New York Times. <laughs> like, what else do they have to report on that day? Like, seriously, Yoda in this textbook? Uh, nah, you know what it is? I think that everyone's, like, tired of, you know, all the other stuff going on, and this just seemed funny, and, and I appreciate the story, so thank you for that, everybody. Um, yeah, so Yoda. Uh, we love Yoda. He's great. Aaron Judge's favorite character. Uh, shout out to Aaron Judge. If he wants to come on the podcast, ever, please. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Did he hit any Star more home War- runs today? I don't think so. <laughs> no, he didn't, but he got an amazing double. It was out of control. Um, okay. So, okay, all right. All right. Let's get back to matters at hand. We, we are talking about Star Wars here, and I know everyone out there in movie land wants to hear about episode eight, which is the movie we're all kind of anxiously awaiting for, Ryan Johnson's entry, the next entry into the saga films. Um, so post-production is wrapped. ZB, what does that mean? Like, what the are movie's they, over. The movie it's is over. in the over. can. So is it safe to assume that there's probably a rough cut of this movie somewhere in your state at this current time? Rough cut? There's the, the post-production is wrapped. I mean, I'm assuming that means the film is done. So what do they do with it now? What happens now? Like, do they just... Ha- do they just do, does Bob Iger get to show it to, like, the other elites of the industry? Yeah, so there'll be... I think select people will see it over the next couple of months. Um, and then what's really going to happen is the Star Wars engine is going to rev up and the marketing is going to really begin, I'd say, probably starting next month until the movie's out. It's going to be that time of the year where Star Wars is in every commercial, all the toys are on the shelves, um, and you know it's it's in the news, it's coming, people are going to see it. There's going to be a new trailer coming out with some hopefully new footage that we'll get to see. And uh, the hype machine will begin. Man, you talk about that. It was like so crazy two years ago with Force Awakens. Like it was everywhere. I, mean, I think it was a little bit less last year for Rogue One, but you know, every single yeah. Target ad, every single. You basically walked into a store and there was Star Wars merchandise. And like, it hasn't necessarily stopped since then. It's like, it hasn't it hasn't left. No, it hasn't left. But like right. they they brought it up to a new level that year, and I totally expect them to do it again. Um, you know, with with the next saga movie. But 
AJ brought up a good point. Do you do you think that this movie is safe from hackers? Do you think there's a, a possibility that someone's going to be able to steal this thing? Like, that's what I'm thinking now. Like, anything that we love, these fuckers can get to, and they're going to hold it hans- ransom. And why would... They went after Game of Thrones. Why wouldn't they go after Star Wars? I think that's totally fair and valid question. I think... It's definitely not safe. I don't think anything's safe, especially if it's, you know, digital and on the world and out there. But I think, you know, whatever whatever happens, Disney has the resources to make whatever it is go away. And that's kind of all we could do. So they they could pay for this movie to come back, you know, like we pay for a nice dinner. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's Disney. Like, I think... What at this point does uh, is it Warner Brothers that owns HBO? So they're still a big corporate entity, but like Disney yeah. is just the biggest thing in the universe. So I I, I yeah. fully expect that even if it did get out, that it would be really quiet. Um, but like I don't know. I think that there's a level of fandom here with Star Wars that people don't necessarily want to mess with it, and you know Disney. Like yeah, hackers don't give a shit about that though. Well, I know, but, like, it's different, like, I don't know. I just think that they're, they're, the fans of, of Star Wars would probably want it, want it preserved and want it experienced the way that the filmmakers want it experienced, and you want to see it in, in theaters. Yeah. You don't want to see it, you know, on a cut on a computer or something like that. Uh, I right. agree. Pe- people, bar- people barely want to watch, like, the new trailers because they don't want it to give away too much, so. All right. So, yeah, I'm... I'm okay. So the, speaking of trailers, dude, um, when is this trailer going to drop? So I think I'm think we have two c- c- uh, different theories so far. Um, I'm thinking it's going to go similar to how they did it with Force Awakens. They'll do it during a Monday night football game, and then boom, tickets are going to be on sale. Um, and they'll market it out like that. Um, yeah, Frank, what do you think? Um, well, my thought was maybe New York Comic Con. I just I I haven't done my research whether or not Disney's there. I I don't think they are. I'm not positive, but they could certainly release it then. But you know they haven't really been doing the big, uh, you know, traditional conventions like this. Like they have their own mechanisms. You know, they have D23. They have Star Wars celebrations. So I I don't necessarily think that New York, even though it's next week or I think it's next week or two weeks. And it's so soon, and I want the trailer so soon. Um, I feel like October is the the prime time. Um, the other thing that is possible, Rebels comes back. Um, I think sure. it's the 16th of October, so they could time it so it's alongside that. But, I, again, I don't think that's a big enough audience to really get it out there. So Monday Night F- Football is certainly a possibility. Cause is, that, is this that air on ABC or ESPN, something like that? Yeah. Yeah, so synergy. There you go. Apparently... Mark Hamill accidentally tweeted that it's going to watch Monday Night Football Monday, October 9th for no particular reason and then deleted it. So Cat's kind of out of the bag. Okay. Not next mo- Not next Monday, the following Monday is when the trailer is going to drop. Cool. Great. All right. Well, that's... Well, well that's... Uh, set your DVRs. <laughs> that's good. Um, okay. Uh, do you think tickets are going to go on sale at that time too? Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, maybe... That's how they did it last time, but I don't think they thought about... Like, there weren't any nerds camped out at, at Lincoln Center last time. 
because they knew the date. Now the nerds know when to go. So, like, I'm gonna ha- we we have to go. Like, I have to. Um, we may have to go and camp out <laughs> and get tickets. You know. Oh man, it, it's it's possible. I mean, I think. Basically, that's two months out from the movie. A lot of times nowadays, they that seems like a an appropriate window. Like any later, they could say, "Okay, and tickets go on sale in two weeks," and it's you know it's not going to be much different. Like for right. them at this point, it's it's about the money, and if if they have two weeks more of sales, and then that means they can add more showings throughout you know all of December, then they're they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. I think uh, they'll, it'll probably go on sale either the next day or at the end of that week. I don't, I don't think it's going to be like Monday night that night because one, you know, with the time difference and everything, not everyone's going to catch it. I feel like it'll, it'll be like a morning thing. You wake up and tickets will be able to be on sale. And didn't they like break Fandango last time too? Like, Yeah, and then yeah. I, I ran to the theater. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I literally just like, okay, I'm going. And I just got on the train. Okay. (laughs) So I agree with you that Thor is way too late. Um, It just is. Uh, It'll be in front of it, but it's, it'll be. Oh yeah. That'll be the first time we see it in a theater. Sure. So maybe you, you could probably wait till Thor to see it in IMAX if you really wanted to, but you don't, you don't have to. Okay. So, I'm not going to judge you for that. All right. So other news about Star Wars Episode Eight: uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt to cameo. Um, I think this is fun, but, like, uh, why would he... I'm sad he can't double dip. Um, uh, you know, like, I'm curious to see who he is. I hope he's, like, you know, more of a character than, like, a stormtrooper. But, uh, you know, I'd be cool that, you know, if he, you know wants to do more star wars i feel like he'd be good at it i mean i think that he is probably going to be in the same boat as some of the the people in force awakens like simon Pegg and um daniel craig like he's not going to show his face like that would totally take everybody out of the movie it's like oh my god joseph gordon levitt always works with ryan johnson and there he is it's so obvious like he's going to be behind the scenes so it doesn't mean he can't be in another star wars movie down the line who knows if he even wants to? Like, you know that that's a whole other topic. Where of where is where is he gone though? Like he was everywhere for a while. Now he's nowhere. Like he should do Star Wars. Go do Star Wars. Everybody do should do Star Wars. I think so. Um, what do you think, ZB? Do you care about this? I don't really care about it. It's just like a friend. They're friends. He's like, hey, can I come be in the movie? It was one day of shooting. He probably dressed up as a silly character. He may not even be in it physically. It could just be his voice. Who knows? That's you know. True. Um, so I, I, I'm, I don't know. I just think it's a, it's a Hollywood friend thing. Um, and what JGL? He has his own like production company, studio worldwide thing. Uh, hit record where he's like sourcing. Um, creative things all around the world with different people. I think he's occupied with other things. Um, he's the Justin Vernon know. of media. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm sure he'll be in some big movie soon. You know, these people tend to shoot a lot of these movies, you know, 
consecutively and then take a break. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's like three movies coming out next year that he's in. Yeah. All right. So here's something else that is coming out that also was big news this summer that we missed. And, uh, you know, I think, I think we're all, you know, kind of, kind of a little, I'm still a little bit shocked about this and a little bit kind of taken aback that they fired another director, star Wars episode nine, Lucasfilm, has fired Colin Trevorrow, um, and, you know, this happened back, uh, you know, during the summer. August, I um, think, yeah. In August. You know, uh, what do you think about this, Frank? Like, do you... So, immediate, you know, from what we've heard, it sounds like there were trouble behind the scenes, and similar to, to what was happening with, with Han Solo... And, you know, that there were creative differences between him and Kathy Kedney and just the rest of Lucasfilm. And, and so on the one hand, it's kind of like, all right, well, we trust Lucasfilm with what what they've done before and, you know, what else they have coming up. So maybe maybe their instincts are right. But but then again, we haven't necessarily seen. I mean, I guess Gareth Edwards, his movie was kind of toyed with a little bit, but. On the other hand, it's kind of like, well, why can't they get it right the first time? It, it seems to me like a bigger problem that, you know, they're not finding the right directors. They're, they're going for these, these guys that, you know, have, um, and ZB, you can probably speak more to this, but like they're, you know, newer to the scene and they have maybe a smaller movie and they're trusting them to, to take this vision. But like, it's a huge project. And if, if Disney and Lucasfilm have a specific idea of where they want to go with it and the director has a totally different direction then they're just going to clash and it, it just doesn't seem like it's the best best scenario so for me I, I i rather see what is next and you know the vision for where they want to take this trilogy as a whole and not necessarily what his movie would have been and maybe maybe there's another great movie that he'll do down the line and it'll be better off for him but um i don't know what do you think zeb well, I think they definitely capitalized on the Jurassic World buzz and success, and they were like, that's our guy, that's who we want, without maybe thinking too much into it. And, right, this guy did one indie film that was pretty good before then and nothing else. So, like, you're right, it's a big ask from Lucasfilm to ask this guy to to finish their, their saga. Um, that all being said... I think it's such a valuable property and it's so specific and she has such a big, and when I say she, I mean Kathleen Kennedy, she has such a big pressure for her to deliver on these things. I mean, this is a huge investment. This is Star Wars. This is so close to everybody that, you know, if something starts to smell sour, she kind of has no choice but then to can it right then and there. And I think there was a lot of, conflict um and clashing with them with both of them during the development process definitely the script writing process and um and you had to make a change you know i've read i don't know if this is true but read from a reliable source that you know these guys phil and phil blord and chris miller and then you know tavro that you know Directors are pretty egotistical people. They, they have a vision. They're very stubborn. They want to stick to their vision. Um, they don't like a lot of change. The Star Wars world doesn't really warrant that. 
there's not total creative freedom as much as they say there is to, to craft these films. They have to fit within a certain parameter. And I think both these two guys, hot young directors that had a lot of success in their last endeavors, you know, came in with their chests puffed out and, you know, I think there was some, some ego clashing and kind of no give in what they wanted to do and um, ultimately just doesn't fly in the Star Wars world and with Kevin Kennedy. And if it's not going in the way that they see it as a whole thing or if it's too much, then, then that's it. It's time to go. Now, that being said, I think it, it, it reflects poorly, not so much on the director, but on, on Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy. You know, they've had, they fired their last two directors off their movie. They've had multiple reshoots. It's going to be like, who's really going to want to touch these movies if, you know, people are being fired left and right and, you know, they're not confident in these directors' visions. That's why, you know... J.J. Abrams coming back to finish the trilogy is the least surprising news ever. You know, she trusts him. Yeah, there, I think there were some issues, but ultimately, you know, they had a great first run at it. And, you know, the original plan all along was for him to be a produ executive producer on all three of these films and oversee them and be like, you know, the Kevin Feige to the Star Wars world. Um, but, you know, after seven, he was like, all right, I'm kind of going to take a step back a little bit, let you guys do your thing. And I think they're going to have a real win in episode eight. And they picked a fantastic director who has a strong vision and apparently got along very well with, you know, the, the upper brass there. But, um, yeah, going back to J.J. to finish this makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it'll be nice to kind of see him maybe spread his wings a little bit and not have to fit that mold of what that first movie needed to be and give him the opportunity to do something kind of fresh and unique. I don't know. I mean, second Star Trek movie kind of was a bore, right? He did yeah. the second one. Yeah, he did. He did the first two of those. Yeah. I thought the first one was great. Not being, not being a huge Star Trek guy. I thought the first one was great. You could just go in and sit back and just enjoy that movie. The second one kind of felt, just like, all right, I don't care. <laughs> well, right. So, like, have you ever seen Wrath of Khan? Yes. No. No. N yes? I have, yes. Yeah, I know. Frank has. ZB, have you ever seen Wrath of Khan? No. Right. Well, okay. you should. <laughs> so, okay. So, Wrath of Khan is the greatest Star Trek movie of all time. And it's like, it's William Shatner, it's Leonard Nimoy, Spock dies. Sorry to spoil the movie for everybody. <laughs> But it's it's an it's an awesome awesome movie, and it really is kind of like the Dark Knight of the Star Trek movies even today. And what JJ did in in into in Star Trek Into Darkness and Force Awakens is not too dissimilar. He kind of goes you know for the con storyline again. It's very similar again. Some things are changed to kind of fit what it needs to do. Um, but they're very, they're super, super, super duper similar. So like for me, like I think JJ, that's really what he's good at. Um, you know, I hope that he has like my, my hope and like my core is that JJ saw what they're doing with eight and is like, holy fuck, this is awesome. 
And when he, you know, when he originally said, you know, I would love to direct that, I'm sure, you know, either he was being really supportive or maybe he even meant it a little bit. And, like, maybe he realizes this is kind of his shot, and, like, I hope that that's partly into it, too. I'm sure it's also the money and the reliability that plays into that as well. But, you know, kind of what you were getting back to earlier, Zeb, or Matt Zeb, uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> whatever we're going to call you. Um, Matt, do you think that Star Wars, these movies, whatever this is going to go on to be, could ever be a director's medium again? Or is overall homogeny better for the franchise? I, I think Star Wars is no longer a director's medium because, like I said before, it's everybody's. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone's so close to it. It's hard. Any person you put into it to direct it is going to have their own Star Wars experience and, and feeling of what that movie means to them. Um, whereas when George Lucas created it, he was the only one that knew what the fuck was going on. Um, right. And now, and it's a sold property. It's under a bigger banner. There's marketing ties to it. It's a it's a different thing now. And I think that loses some of its some of its luster. But you know, I think the movies will still be good. I just think they're going to be manufactured in a very Marvel way, where you know you're kind of getting quality, but it's not really groundbreaking stuff yeah i think the biggest thing for him is to to take a look back at like aj said into darkness force awakens and say okay well i took a lot of cues from some of the previous movies in those franchises how can i make it different how do i not make this trilogy capper so similar to return of the jedi or i don't think he's going to be looking at revenge of the sith but you know like something like that like how can he do something and and that's why i think maybe the general public is a little bit more positive about it it's like okay you have someone like jj abrams bringing this thing to a close like i think there's enough faith in him so far that he could do that whereas like trevor do we do we really have faith that he could have really done that like he did jurassic world sure but like it's not like that's not a huge trilogy capper that um that we're expecting and that we're going to get and like like AJ said, he may have seen uh, eight already and has, or at least a script and knows exactly where he thinks he can go with it. And I think it's, it's exciting. Totally. Um, but, um, you know, the fact is that Kathy Kennedy, she's produced some of the best movies in our, of all time. Of all time. So, you know, right. we should trust her. She knows what's up. She does. And, you know, she's great too. And, Thank you for everything. Do you think that the petition about JJ is just bullshit, or is that just me that I'm like upset that people are upset, so upset by it? Like their their what petition? They're being butt hurt about JJ. Like makes me upset. <laughs> like who else were they gonna pick? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure there there are other options out there. Ryan Johnson wasn't gonna do it. He already basically said that. So, I don't think you could do these movies back to back. I no. think that's what they're trying to say. No. Yeah. Right. I mean, and here's the funny thing, you know, even though we're like, it kind of follows in the same original saga because while some people may say um, Return of the Jedi was directed by Richard Mark Quinn, 
it was really directed by George Lucas. That's kind of like the inside Hollywood yeah. right. kicker. It's funny because as you were saying, oh, how Star Wars was a director's meeting, I'm like, well, but it really was just George Lucas like the entire time. And then, I mean, Irving Kirshner, sure. And like, that's one of the best movies yeah. ever. But like, Lucas was still heavily involved at that point. So, there. Yeah. So, right. It, it's hard. To, it's hard to tell. I mean, I'm sure there'll be a documentary about it in 30 years for us to, to commiserate over. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, it's also kind of just a bummer. Like, yeah, it's cool he gets to do this, but like, I guess he has his hand in so many other things that like, there's no original J.J. Abrams movies coming out like for the foreseeable future, and I that must have been something he was mulling over when deciding to do this. It's like I'm sure he had a lot of different things in development. Yo, so like Paramount is pissed. Yeah, like, they yeah he has a de- deal with them. T- Ten million dollars of overhead a year. For him to fuck right. around and make movies like Ten Cloverfield Lane that do amazing and are actually pretty good movies, but the the thing is, you know, I would love to see a J.J. Abrams original feature. You know, when we we ever get that, I'll see you there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, right? You know, you know, so like, but you know what? Super Eight, like that. It's a that's one. Of, it's a great movie. Yeah. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, but it's, it's also just like a, a a fucking E.T. like kind of close encounters rip off kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah close yeah, encounters mashup. Yeah. yeah, well. And he's supposed to produce Star Trek 4 if they're ever going to do it. You know, it's like, the, it's, there are other things he's tied to. Um, Did he get, take a producer credit on Star Trek Beyond? I think so. I mean, it was Bad Robot. I'm yeah, pretty so sure I'm still. Sure, so, I'm like, sure he did. And, and, and he's a producer on um, Westworld. Yes, he is. So, I mean, he's got his hands in so many different things that, like, what's he going to shoot? Let, let, let him shoot something that he's excited about and if he's always been a star wars fan like he said he was when he was directing force awakens like let him let him finish what he started basically like someone else played around with it and you know messed with all his toys let him go back and put him away someone went to the the sandbox and got out some of the awesomer better toys and he's like oh okay i got this yeah he's like oh you're gonna make new versions of ATATs and b-wings perfect that sounds <laughs> fantastic I was on the uh, Lego website. Uh, I don't know how I got there, but I was on the Lego website, <laughs> and I came to. We know. We know the, how you got there. All of the Star Wars new, like all the series, the new Lego s- series stuff. They so are totally B wing evolutions. Anyway, um, love love me some B wings. All right, want to mention real quick, John Fath. You commented, it was very good said this was a solid move after it looked like the franchise would go on stable ground with Colin Trevorrow being fired. Although this breaks the mold of the original trilogy, one movie, one director, I'm sure everyone's up to the challenge of making something new. A great job with all the little details in Episode 7. Something that really tugged at a lot of our Star Wars geekdom heartstrings. Could not agree more with you, John. Excited to uh, be bringing you on in the next uh, couple days. So, um, uh, you know, tune in to our episode with uh, John Fath. Uh, and more to come on that as we go along. Yeah, thank, and, thanks for chiming in, John. And uh, just to tease it a little bit, uh, I, we here are big fans of the Star Wars Rebels TV show, and so is John. And uh, he has recently become a member of the, uh, he can speak more to it, but he, he's basically become a avid cosplayer of the Mandalorian armors. So he'll have a bit to talk about that. And 
look out for that in the next couple of weeks or days or something like that. Something like that. Um, okay, last news on Star Wars Episode Nine. Um, so they moved the date back to December 2019. Um, you know, I'm kind of bummed that, you know, that the saga movies are only going to come out in December. I feel like it's kind of like we're establishing a new kind of Star Wars religion. I'm okay with it, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's a little crazy. Uh, does anybody else yeah, it, care about this? It, well, it, Star Wars, I guess it feels like the biggest summer blockbuster ever and a way to kick off the summer blockbuster season. And the fact that it's no longer in May obviously changes that, but it's now it's the Christmas, the Christmas miracle you get and like <laughs> the holidays and Star Wars and they are all, they all play and it's all for, it goes back to the marketing and the toys and the sales and what better time to sell Star Wars shit than Christmas. Yeah. I, yeah, I kind of, I lean towards the I'm okay with it in December um, because May and the whole summer is already so full of movies that December is usually pretty wide open. Sometimes there are big hits that come around that time, but like I have really fond memories at this point of seeing Force Awakens with you guys like around our birthdays, around Christmas time, being together, being with family, being able to do that and like repeat again this past year with Rogue One and like we're going to have it again. Um, so obviously we have Han Solo coming up in May, which is going to kind of swing back to the original idea. But at this point, once once that movie comes out, we will have in our lifetimes at least three movies released in December, three in May. And like I, it, to me, it doesn't necessarily matter. I think, you know, Marvel's going to keep pushing, pushing out movies that first weekend in in may so get it you know move away from star wars so they don't have to compete with themselves and you know force awakens made a shitload of money and it, it made a shitload of money in two different years so i'm sure they're going to keep doing that um it is a bummer that it was pushed because that means we have to wait that much longer for the next star wars movie but um I, i'm okay, yeah okay but there was no there was no way it was going to be on schedule with the change and like that's just that deadline and pressure just would have been too much and you know i'm sure that was part of like hey if i'm gonna do this i need extra six months to do this yeah and honestly it's it's like to the point where i was surprised that han solo wasn't pushed because of all the, the stuff behind the scenes that i was fully expecting that movie to get pushed and obviously it's not well that movie was that movie was almost done i mean they they fired those directors with like three weeks left of shooting so like I'd say majority of the footage was was shot. So and they bring in a pro like Ron Howard, you know, that dude could direct with his eyes closed. So he's gonna come in and fix that movie. Good old Richie Cunningham. <laughs> gonna come yeah. in there and make you a good little movie over there. Yeah. It's kinda cool that it's Rod Howard. You know? Like that's like that's cool, I think. I love Apollo thirteen. I love that movie. What's that movie a billion I, I'm, times? I'm, it, I mean, I think we kind of touched on that movie before. Um, it, it's again, right. it's a shame that, that that they had to to can those guys at, when they did. And I like them and the other work that they've done. So it would have been interesting to see what what their finished product would have been. I mean, how much different will it be? Probably a bit, but not completely. Um, it won't be completely theirs. Um, 
but I, I read something today. I think they just signed on to uh, work on the author of The Martians' next project. So, yeah, great. Mostly, whatever they, they'll, whatever they're, they're want to do. They're going to keep making money. They're not going to hurt from it, probably. I'm surprised they haven't signed on to Flash yet, but enough about those two guys. Yeah. All right. We want to introduce a new thing that we're going to do on Season 2 or try to do, and that's going to be playing some games with each other because it's fun. And uh, people want to listen to us playing games. So <laughs> uh, I heard people do this on the Super Critical podcast. Those guys are awesome uh, where they were playing a similar game. But I think I did it a little bit differently. So we'll try it from there. All right, everybody. So it's going to be Frank versus Matt. These guys are going to be our competitors today. I'm going to be the judge and the question asker guy. So there are three categories. There are names planets and tech and our contestants are gonna have to tell me uh if they can name if the you know the noun comes from star wars or star trek can be taken from anywhere in the star wars and star trek universe i consulted only the best star wars and star trek online databases to make this happen thank you very much to wikipedia and uh you know all the other so do you is it basically we both answer and then you'll tell us who's right, or are we racing? Because I think that would be no, hard. no, no. <laughs> so, no, it's no racing. So each of you guys are going to get uh, two Turn. questions, two questions, and there's three rounds. There's easy, medium, and hard. Great. So just so we kind of get everybody, you know, on the same page together. So we're going to start, you know, with the easy round. You know, the very easy round. So we're going to start with names. So. Uh, we'll go. We'll go with uh, go with Matt because he is our guest. All right. So Matt, he- here we go. Great. First, Great. You, you, first name, Salacious Crumb. Is that a Star Wars name or a Star Trek name? I'm just gonna preface this all by saying I know very little to nothing about <laughs> Star Trek. So, and I think I know a lot about Star Wars. So we'll see. But I think that's a Star Trek name. Okay. All right. So, so then, do I uh, guess now? Planets. Oh no, I don't guess uh, now. No, no, no. We're gonna go down the line here. Okay. So then, planets. Okay. Um. Uh. Is this a Star Wars or a Star Trek planet? Kronos. Star Trek. Okay. Now tech. Uh. This is supposed to be the easy round. This is the easy <laughs> round. So memory alpha is Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. All right, so you got two points out of that round. Salacious Crumb is the little guy who sits next to Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> uh. Okay. <laughs> Frank. Okay. You're up. Okay, so we're, so not, we're not answering the same questions. Gotcha. No, you're not answering the same questions, I no. Understood. Okay. Okay, so um, your, first, your first name is a Star Wars or Star Trek. Captain Janeway. Uh, I'm going to go with Star Trek on that. All right. Planets. Is it a Star Wars or a Star Trek planet? Cardassia Prime. That's definitely Star Trek. Okay. And now your Star Trek tech... Uh, ah. <laughs> so, okay. So you got two points, and I get negative one points. Okay. <laughs> what was it? What was it for our listeners? Medical tricorder. Star Trek. Very, very easy. <laughs> okay. All right. 
ZB, you're up. This is the easy round again. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Uh, this is names Star Wars or Star Trek. Biggs, Darklighter. Star Wars. All right. Planets. Star Wars, Star Trek. Kessel. Star Wars. Tech. Star Wars or Star Trek? Photon torpedoes. Hmm. Star Trek. Perfect round. All Good job. Good job. Okay. So now, Frank, yes. it's your turn. The last round of the easy of the easy questions. Okay. All right. Star Wars or Star Trek names? Max Rebo. Star Wars. Planets. Star Wars or Star Trek? Scarif. Star Wars. Tech. Star Wars or Star Trek? Turbo lasers. Ooh. Oh. Um, you know, uh, Star Trek. Ooh. Or it could have fallen both. I don't know. <laughs> we will use them without so turbo vague. lasers. It's... Okay. So, right now, we are at... You guys are tied. Five points each. Oh, man. The end of the easy round. Okay, everybody. So now we're getting into these questions are a little bit harder. Oh, man. <laughs> but, not good. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, still, still going to be fun. Still the exact same concept. All right. So, ZB, your first question, Star Wars, Star Trek names, Worf. It, that's someone's name. <laughs> In what? <laughs> that's the question. <laughs> Star Trek. Okay. Uh, planets, Star Wars, Star Trek, Sullust. Star Trek. Okay. And your tech question, Star Wars or Star Trek tech, the Heisenberg Compensator. Star Trek. Okay. All right. Here we go. Frank. What was it? What Star were the answers? Did he, did he get those right? Yeah. What... So you got... so. Celis is Star Wars, and the Heisenberg Compensator is Star Trek, so he was right about that. Okay. What about Worf? Worf is Michael Dorn from Star Trek The Next Generation. He's a Klingon. He's a, he's you would has a cool him. bandolier. He's really, he's really an awesome he's character. Awesome. Um, Later so, I got, so I got two. Yes. yes. You, did, you, you did very well. You're doing good. <laughs> so now moving right along to uh, Frank. Star Wars, Star Trek names, Nine Nub. I, I believe it's pronounced Nian Nub, and he's from Star Wars. <laughs> okay. Planet, Star Wars, Star Trek, Mon Calamari. Star Wars. Okay. Tech. Easy. Easy. <laughs> Tech, Star Wars, Star Trek, Back to Tank. Star Wars. Okay. Well, I got the easy ones that time. You sure he didn't okay. make that easy, and the mediums were, not, you know, flip those. I thought I thought Mon Calamari, like if you didn't like, so if you know what's actually a harder question, what is, what is their race called? Because they don't, they're not called Mon Calamarians; they're called Nemoidians. There are two races on the planet, as in the Clone Wars. So oh, well, they, well, there you go. <laughs> well, the, the Admiral Akbars of the world and. The other ones. 
Anyway, continue. All right, so ZB, Star Wars, Star Trek names, Neota or Hura? Star Wars. Okay. Planets, Star Wars, Star Trek, Corellia. Star Wars. Tech, Star Wars, Star Trek, Holocron. Star Wars. So, Neota Uhura is from Star Trek. Corellia is Han Solo's homeworld, and Holocron is from Star Wars. All right. Coming up, Frankie. Yeah. All right. So, here we go. Uh, Star Wars, Star Trek names, Quark. Star Trek. Star Wars, Star Trek planets, Golana. Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, I'm going to guess Star Trek. And last but not least, Star Wars, Star Trek, Particle Rifle. Uh, Star Wars? Oh, so close. Was I wrong on every one? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Quark is from Star Wars Deep Space... Star Wars. Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yes. Golana is a planet featured in The Next Generation. And Particle Rifle is from Star Trek as well. Uh, okay. Okay. So now... We are coming to the harder questions, all right? What's the so score right now? Yeah, wh- the where are we score, at? The score right now, you're again, you're tied at 10. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. This is why I'm really glad I made a you know, uh, sudden death round. Okay. So, ZB, you are up. Star Wars, Star Trek names, Lobot. Star Wars. Star Wars, Star Trek planets, Fondor. Star Wars. <laughs> okay. Star Wars, Star Trek, Tech, Holodeck. Star Wars. All right. Very good. So, um, Lobot is the guy in uh, Empire Strikes Back with the thing around the Beats headphones around his ears. He follows around <laughs> yeah. Lando Calrissian. Fondor is a Star Wars planet featured heavily in the extended universe. And the hollow deck is actually a deck on the Starship Enterprise feature of the next generation. Where they go and have adventures and stuff. Real so, dirty. Uh, they should really clean that place. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Frank, Star Wars, Star Trek names, Dengar. Star Wars. He's a bounty hunter. Star Wars, Star Trek planet, Minos. Uh... Star Trek. Star Wars, Star Trek Tech, Impulse Drive. Star Trek. All right, three out of three, all correct. Ooh. All right. Wait, I thought, uh, what's the planet in Attack of the Clones that Obi-Wan goes to Camino. the clones? Camino. <laughs> Camino, that's what I was thinking. Okay. To be fair, I had no idea what Minos was. I just made a guess. <laughs> okay. I was like, Minas Tirith? <laughs> Wrong franchise. Yeah, I got that one way. That's way off. Um, all right, here we go. Last, last two questions each. Um, right now, Frank has one more point than uh, you, Zeb. So let's see if, how you do on this round. All right, names. Star Wars, Star Trek, Chuvok. Star, uh... <laughs> hmm. <laughs> you got the star part right. <laughs> that. Right. 
<laughs> I'm halfway there. Star Trek. Okay. Star Wars, Star Trek, Planets. Star Trek. Star Wars, Star Trek, Tech. Comscan. Star Wars. Oh, shit. All right. Three out of three correct. Wow. All right. Holy shit. Who shot first? <laughs> okay. Um, all right, Frank. Here are the names. Star Wars, Star Trek names. Ducat. Ducat. Star Trek. Okay. Planets. Star Wars, Star Trek. And do. Star Wars. Okay. Tech. Star Wars, Star Trek. Electro Telescope. Star Trek. Oh, man. Hold on. Let me calculate up the scores over here. The suspense. Wow. Okay. So, in second place, <laughs> we have our host. <laughs> Frank Marsilio. <laughs> and the winner today of the first ever Long Lost Heroes trivia game is Matt Zeeby with yes. 12 points. Congratulations. So congratulations, Sweet. Matt. Thank you. We have sent you a, a lovely calendar from uh, the Boca Raton, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> retirement home we're planning on living, looking to near Del Boca Vista. You're going to like it very much. Uh, Bingo Tuesday nights. <laughs> that sounds perfect. Thank you. You're you're so welcome. Winner winner chicken dinner. Well, that was really fun. I'm I'm really glad we did that. I'm I look forward to doing more games. Um, I obviously need to do more research, seeing as I knew oh about God. this quiz about twelve hours. Ago. I, 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 I I don't know that you really need to do because, you know, like I said, I didn't really know anything about Star Trek. If it's 50-50 questions, I mean, you kind of <laughs> let, let's be real. Fair enough. All right. It was really fun playing games with everybody. Um, we hope to play more games with you guys in the future. We will uh, work, at, you know, adequately to provide you with the greatest content we can find. But back onto our Star Wars-centric episode. Obi-Wan, a Star Wars story, announced this last August. I'm pretty excited, you guys. I was excited to hear the news. Um, apparently, Stephen Daldry is attached to direct, to direct. He's directed such films as Billy Elliot, The Hours, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, The Crown, a few episodes. I think he was, he was a more accomplished writer, right? As a screenwriter, like he's written oh, more he's done, things. Oh, he's done so much. He's done so much. And he's done stuff for stage, too. So he's kind of got a lot of different touches, which to me signifies something a little bit more personal. Like a lot of these movies, those are very like, they're story-driven, character-driven films, or, or like like I said, he did stage as well. So that is a promising aspect to me sure now here's my thing though we don't have ewan mcgregor attached yet uh, are you sure is i don't i haven't heard an official announcement that he's attached oh you're right i mean no official announcement but i feel like also this movie is like also kind of official as well like i feel like everything is still kind of 
nebula. There's no, no there's no script. There's no release date. Anything like that. So, yeah. Right, but here's the thing. Like, I I love Ewan McGregor in the the prequels. I think he's one of the main redeeming qualities of those films. At some points, other points he's a little bit you know hilarious with the death sticks. But you know, I'm I, I'm excited that he, that first of all he's been so outspoken and opinionated that he wants to come back, and that you know it's all kind of lining up for him to come back. I don't know why they announced it without him on it just from the get-go um you know but okay uh what do you think matt well i think probably the deal isn't closed yet they probably don't know if it's going to be a one-off or like a trilogy or something which i could i could see um and two maybe they don't know what that movie's going to be yet maybe they just have a guy who they're like you're going to write the script and then we'll see see who that actor is going to be. I think it makes the most sense to do it in between the time of episode three and episode four. That's where everyone's the most curious and wants to know what Obi-Wan had been doing. Um, in which case, casting Ewan McGregor at this point in his life makes total sense. Um, I think the deal eventually gets done. Um, I think he comes back and plays Obi-Wan. It's going to be awesome to see him again. And I think it's just like, it's still a little ways away. Um, it's all very preliminary. You know, we don't know who's going to be in episode nine, besides like the main players. And that movie has a director attached, you know. That's good. That's a good point. That's true. At, as the resident Obi-Wan cosplayer of the podcast, Frank, yeah. how do you <laughs> feel about... Uh, the Obi-Wan film. I, I'm very excited about this. I mean, I think from one perspective, yes, there's there's really like two options as to when this movie could be set. It's either in between three and four or before the prequels completely, which would be a very young Obi-Wan. So either we have Ewan McGregor or it's a completely different thing. But like sure. if it's before the prequels, like does anybody even want that? Like I think everybody fandom probably even at Lucasfilm would probably agree and say that there's more story to tell for him in those 20 something years when he's on Tatooine and like to me as someone that is is a proponent of the idea that Rey from the Force Awakens is possibly most likely I hope so a Kenobi because there's always the Kenobi Skywalker kind of thing going on um I would love to see something uh, that would explore maybe a potential love interest for him while he was on Tatooine or maybe he left Tatooine or, you know, how maybe he had a kid that, you know, down the line dot, dot, dot means that Ray exists as like a grandkid or something like that. Um, you know, the, and, and the other thing is like in the comic books right now, they're doing um, some really cool stuff in canon that basically has Luke reading Obi-Wan's journal from when he was on Tatooine and they're telling some cool tales of how he uh, you know protected Luke from afar and 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 had these other adventures and so it, there's just so much they can tell there um, I, I think the the one thing that could happen is that if it does happen on Tatooine it could get a little stale in that how many movies have we seen on a desert planet but I feel like there mm. is almost 
infinite reasons why he could leave and have to come back and make sure he protects Luke. Maybe he enlists somebody else to help him look over him for a brief time or something like that. Um, I don't know. I'm very excited. I really want to see Obi-Wan. You and McGregor, excuse me. Um, And I think that because it's been about 10, 13-ish years since we last saw him, he would have aged like the perfect amount. Maybe they age him up a little bit to to portray him during that time period. I, th- I think it's awesome. Um, I I agree. I kind of want this movie to be kind of small though. Like I my fear and like I watched Rogue One again on the plane home from Germany, and I I do really like that movie. But one of the things that is interesting about it is while it is like. You know, there's really two, three main characters if you count K2SO, you know, and there's like an ensemble of maybe about 10 people who you really see the whole movie. Like, it still doesn't feel small because you're constantly moving around the galaxy and whizzing around and, you know, there's all these different people who are dying and showing up and dying and that's crazy. And I just really hope that, like, maybe there could be a day where, you know we have a really small Obi-Wan movie where it's just him and some lady who, you know, lost her son to a Sith or something and they're just tracking him down through, you know, the galaxy and, and not have to rely so much on, you know, the effects and the vehicles and all that stuff. And, like, maybe they could do a little bit of something we haven't seen before and show us the what it's like to be a Jedi after the Jedi have fallen in more of a concrete way than we've heard about. Like, we've, you know, we've seen that they've been hunted down and extinct. We saw what happened on Jeddah, but, like, now, like, let's see what it's like in that time when you could you can't be a Jedi and all hope is lost and everything's going down. So, yeah, I'm very excited for this. I hope Ewan McGregor comes back. Yeah, I, I think it sounds like a more intimate movie for sure, if that's the time period they're playing with. And I think having the director like Stephen Daltrey, is he director or writer on this? Director. Directing and writing. Director. I think I think that sort of signals that that's the direction they want to go in based on his past films. Um, sure. And, yeah, I'm thinking Castaway meets Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Basically. You know? Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah. In, in in that world. Um, so yeah, we'll, I'll be interested to see where that goes. And, uh, you know. But I, w- I would say this about these stand- standalone movies is show me something I haven't seen before. It's great we're visiting these characters we all love, but the universe is so rich and vast and there's all these other stories and there's so much else happening. Like, what make me fall in love with somebody new? Like introduce me to something else. Like just, I I don't want to just like keep rehashing the same stories that we all sort of already kind of know about. I think there's a lot of interesting material out there that can be at, adapted to the screen that would be interesting and sort of reinvigorate the franchise. And that's what I hope they well, do. I, I agree with you, and I think that that is, that is going to have to come at some point. But I think what Disney's trying to do is reset the prequels. Like, that's what I felt like Rogue One did, like, in a lot of ways. Like, 
you you know sure they talk about you know the begin like they mentioned the Death Star and it's shown a few times in the prequels, but this is it under construction and and how it was built and who built it and all that those questions you've always heard about and the fixing the biggest plot hole in the great in our favorite movie <laughs> that ever existed, um, and also showing you badass Vader again so that you remember why he's the most menacing bad guy of all time. A terrifying motherfucker. He, he's he's fr- he's scary. So like if they lean into that and they continue to do that, like that's what my thinking is very much so what with we didn't get to talk about it, but they're going to have uh, Darth Vader show up in the Han Solo movie. He totally doesn't need to show up there. Yeah. There's no reason for him to show up there. It's just so that they can retcon your ideas of what Darth Vader represents while at the same time, um, you know, not taking away from the prequels and adding to the universe things that you want to see. Just like a a quick plug back a little bit to the other things that they're doing in canon. Like there are some books and, and comics that they've done an amazing job with uh, Darth Vader. There's uh, the Darth Vader, comic line there were 25 uh issues and it was just it did such a great job of tying back to like anakin and really like meshing together the idea of darth vader and like you actually feel for him like that like i like legitimately almost cried in some of those issues and like this book here lords of the sith is another one where it's like you really start to feel for that character again because yeah the right. he was so, totally underserved for so long um i i personally i don't necessarily need him in han solo but if he is a, another menacing figure in there where it's like, oh, shit, we need to stay away from that guy, fine. Because, like, he did a, a great job, the character, of portraying terror in, in Rogue One. So, like, sure, do it again. Like, they can have anybody in that suit, and anything to redeem him a little bit more is fine. Um, you know, I think, back to Matt's point, it it is exciting that they're going to do an Obi-Wan movie. But, yeah, okay, so, so far we've got... Rogue One, which is pretty much exactly heavily tied to the Skywalker saga because it happens right before the events of A New Hope. We've got Han Solo, Obi-Wan. There have been rumored Boba Fett and um, Yoda movies along the line. So it's like these are all characters we know, but why can't they do something else? Like if if it's supposed to be a Star Wars story existing in this universe, like I'm all about seeing an Obi-Wan movie, but they also need to do something completely new and different. Um, set it a thousand years in the past, set it a thousand years in the future. I don't care, but something that is is different because right now, and this kind of goes back to like the beginning of our podcast conversation. It it feels a little bit uh, just more of the same and just kind of produced. And it's just it's a it's a safe bet. It's a yeah. sure thing. They need to sell toys. It all goes back to commerce and. They bought this franchise for four billion dollars, not to, uh, not to, yeah. To, they want they need to have a return on their investment. You know, that's a lot of money to recoup, and they will. And they probably already have. Who the, who the fuck knows? But you know, these things are expensive to produce, and yeah, it's these are all sure things already. They're sure bets. They have built-in fan base. Everyone's familiar with them, and that's. Uh, that's where they're going right now until, I don't know, until maybe they hit off these main ones and then they're like, all right, that was the first wave. What's the second wave? And the second wave could maybe be all these obscure 
weird stories in the Star Wars universe. That'd be cool. But I hope so. That, that remains to be seen. That remains to be seen, but also remains to be seen and ho- and hoping waiting patiently for some good deal to come online where you get like a you know, a Star Wars controller or like a, maybe a special like collectible thing. Battlefront 2 is coming out on November 17th for Xbox and PlayStation and I cannot fucking wait. I'm so, so excited for this video game. And I don't really play many video games. I really just play, you know, maybe Rocket League, the Lego games, but I love the Star Wars Battlefront. That's why I got an Xbox One. I do really enjoy playing it. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I know you guys don't have these these uh, um, the systems to play, but the how I feel about Battlefront now is it, it was easy, probably the most expensive demo I've ever purchased in my life. Because so the original game sixty dollars, you get three levels, and it's just the multiplayer functionality and a few other modes that were okay. The multiplayer was pretty fun. Kind of like Halo, you can play it for hours and hours and hours. And it's just the same kind of thing. The difference is now, you know, with this new video game, is that, you know, they're going to have all that kind of built in with a story mode, multiplayer functionality. And before I even got to get to the Death Star and all the other great levels that they came out with for this game, it cost me another $60 to play, you know, the end of the game. So I want to say that, you know, I'm really excited for Battlefront 2. I hope that there isn't a ton of DLC for this thing. And I'm hoping that, you know, the launch goes smoothly and that uh, the levels are sweet and, you know, the gameplay is as fun as it looks. Because all the things that they're teasing, like, are all the things that were so missed in the first Battlefront um, that it never really felt like a complete game to me. Yeah. It's exciting that they have an actual story in this game that there's a single player campaign because that's kind of it's huge it's huge and you know it's what a lot of people want because not everybody is a multiplayer gamer that just wants to play the same maps over and over they want some sort of aspect of story and if it adds to the canon that's even better um i yeah like you mentioned i'm just bummed that it's not on switch and i'm fully expecting within like the next year or two like the third-party support is coming out to Switch. Like, we recently got um, Doom and Wolfenstein and um, L.A. Noir all announced for Switch. These are other third-party developers that no one would have expected to, to put games on there, like, you know, Bethesda. So uh, sure. to, one of these days, EA is going to come around. We're going to get Battlefront. Maybe it's a, another port of Battlefront 2. Maybe they do a bundle of both games. Or maybe it's in time for the third one. Who knows? Um, I'm... I'm just. I think Switch has a big enough audience, and that it's, um, you know, people want the system badly, and it's still hard to find. But there is definitely a cross section that are huge Star Wars fans, and it's, you know, I think for both Nintendo and for EA, Lucasfilm, a missed opportunity that I think they'll get to pretty soon. But Boom. I'm glad you're excited about it. We'll have to play because I, 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 I can't play. wait, man. Yeah. I think the moral of this podcast is arts versus commerce and um, and how Star Wars, while being the biggest, one of the biggest creative endeavors that started out as a love for storytelling and, and just pure fantasy is now 
a cash grab and a means to make money. Yeah, and but okay, you're you're right, but I don't think the art is suffering to a point where it's bad yet. No, I don't think so either. Like I think that the art we can be critical of the art because we're such big fans. But the the issue is is you know being able to kind of I saw somebody the other day in a movie theater when there was a trailer for episode 8 and they were like star trash. And I'm like, "What? Like what? Like how can you hate this? This isn't this isn't hateable." No. And like that's what your you know your point is it's like it's always going to be just is it always going to be just good will we ever have a great one I don't know but you know what I'm willing to take the chance and and, and I'm willing to pay the money and I think that you know I'm going to be buying this uh, black series stormtrooper helmet I'm getting it <laughs> about evil BB-8 I BB think it's I think <laughs> I don't know if I want Evil BB-8 as much as I want the R2-D2 Sphero oh, droid. Yeah. That, that looks, looks awesome. totally sweet. But, dude, the Black Series toys, like, these would have been unattainable to me as a kid. Like, it's $20 an action figure. $19.95 per 8- to 9-inch figure. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, you know... That whole that whole thing of how like the toys have all classed up and you know and you know the these the, the cosplay I I I don't know I'd be curious to see when the art when we hit the point yeah when the art suffers until that point it's it's cool I, I think Star Wars toys have always been you know a huge element um the merchandise has always been big back to the 70s but yeah they're they are polishing things and they're doing some cool stuff with it now and kids are lucky these days that's not to say there's anything wrong with that because oh yeah 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 it's essentially the that's the root of this country and what this country is fucking built on but you know it's just i don't know it's just one of those things that you can't help but notice when it's so in your face you're just like ah all right yeah like we said december that. is going to be filled with <laughs> star wars in stores and it's just going to be making you buy it so yep anyway well this has been super fun um i'm really glad that we got to cover all this star wars news um again to tease a little bit ahead we're going to have john fath our buddy um on the podcast pretty soon to talk more about star wars um we're going to probably do some reviews of movies upcoming um, and, you know, look ahead to uh, some other fall TV. Maybe, you know, we'll definitely get to Thor and obviously Star Wars Episode Eight when that comes out in December. So, Justice League. Oh, yeah. we Sorry. We always underserve DC. Justice League. And we are excited. <laughs> we promise. <laughs> Batman Wonder Woman. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was close on that. Bring me back when you guys want to talk fall TV. I want to talk about Stranger Things and Curb. Yes. Oh, yes. shit. Dude, yes, we have absolutely. one month until Stranger Things. Anyway, so we are the Long Lost Heroes podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LLH Podcast. Online at longlostheroes.net. You can email us at longlostheroes.net. I am Frank W. Marsilio on Twitter. 
AJ, where can people find you? I am at AJ Don't on Twitter. And what about you, ZB? Matt underscore ZB. Across the platforms. All those platforms. Well, and Matt, thanks so much for coming on the podcast with us to talk Star Wars. It's always such a pleasure to have you to join us for these special times. Um, and uh, look forward to having you on again as the Star Wars season rolls along. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, happy to be here and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. And we'll catch you next time. Take care. Bye.